Kura Patawita. Let's talk about grief. Why don't we? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You're uh, you're intimately familiar with those, aren't you? Yes. When I worked as a board-certified music therapist, one of my specialties was hospice work. I used to have this electric keyboard that I rolled around from unit to unit and floor to floor in nursing homes, and. I would facilitate the singing of songs that were meaningful to the residents there. My work was to help them express through music most of their most painful feelings, which had to do with grief and loss, obviously. Um, and it was very intimate work. The work was, I felt, very reverent and awesome. So my mobile therapy cart was like a minstrel, facilitating the sick and dying through their anger and grief towards greater acceptance. Well, uh, you know, nowadays with COVID damaging our psyches and our souls as much as our bodies, uh, where do you place yourself today having once been the therapist? Well, I find myself in the COVID experience on the flip side of the therapeutic relationship. I'm now the one feeling devastated by my losses in life. So I, I'm grieving like residents that I used to serve. There's another view of acceptance and, it, and it's called resignation. So you're in the process of grieving and uh, you know, what's that like for you and what are you doing about it? Well, I, I do wanna kinda of correct you. Um, resignation is not acceptance. Like resignation is is that pitfall before acceptance. Mm. It's, the, it's the free fall. Actually, with acceptance comes great peace and the capacity to cooperate with what life is presented. It seems to me that acceptance, though, is is a viewpoint where you take kind of a positive attempt at taking on something, whereas resignation is surrender, give up. Yes, as long as we're alive, our aliveness comes out of that dynamic process of meeting life where it is, like taking life head on and working it like clay. You know, whatever that piece is, like, okay, I'm going to engage myself in that. But along the way, all that resistance to what is comes up first through those stages of grief, you know, and 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 then the one that uh, that gets me the most, like, like the one that hooks me, gets me stuck, is this bargaining thing. I keep trying to to negotiate what is rather than just look it straight in the eye and get it, or believe that I have more control over it than I really have, or whatever. But once acceptance comes in, it's actually quite peaceful, and then then more energy becomes available to do the work rather than to fight the stuff you don't want to cope with. So, so uh, you have you moved on to acceptance, or, or are you still not quite there? Well, um, I did have a moment a couple days ago 
where I, ex I experienced acceptance. But at least I know I'm touched into it, and when I'm in it, I'm able to make decisions. Seems to me that, I mean, acceptance from what you're saying sounds like a kind of a good thing. It's sort of a, a nice conclusion to a process. Um, but I still have this sort of implication in my mind that there's a certain amount of resignation here. I'm going to kind of fall on the side of a hint of resignation when it comes to acceptance, despite, <laughs> despite your definition. And I'm going to say that regardless of where you are on the acceptance or resignation scale, from my viewpoint, there's a glimmer of life left in your old bones. Yeah, I think your featured song, Sorry I Missed Your Funeral, is hard-edged anger and honesty, a deep blues that really expresses an affirmation rather than denial. I think it's a stubborn iron will rather than a, a whiny bargaining uh, piece. This, this isn't acceptance. It's an exclamation point, a retrospective view of life from the viewpoint of a warrior. Those of you out there with finely tuned ears, Give this a listen and tell me if you agree. I'm sick and tired of feeling this bluesy blue. After a whole year of restrictions and nothing to do. Restrictions on simple visits. Restrictions on where to go Everything is virtual Zoom after Zoom, how did do? I want my life back I want to visit my friends I want to hug and kiss I want to start living again this apocalyptic doomsday When will it all end? This need to see never I'm sorry I missed your funeral This final song being sung In my personal auditorium Is empty Completely Hello, how's it going for you down there in your empty well? Me, I'm so flooded in my own tears. I really need to tell you. You can sing the blues, baby. Till your hair turns gray. Till your eyes can't see nothing. Death, I beg you, please let me go in peace. Angel of death, of living, please quicken my release. I'm 
sick and tired of feeling this bluesy blues. After a whole year of restrictions and nothing to do, restrictions on simple visits, restrictions on where to go. Everything is virtual Zoom after Zoom How did you I want my life back I want to visit my friends I want to hug and kiss And I want to start living again This apocalyptic doomsday When will it this may be seeing never I'm sorry I missed your funeral I'm sorry I missed your funeral I'm sorry I missed your funeral You can't sing the blues, baby Till your hair turns gray Till your eyes can't look from day Till your lips Writing and producing and then discussing Sorry I Missed Your Funeral is like a cathartic music therapy session that I'm performing on myself. Where'd the title come from? While I was writing and producing, I was in this reverie of hard rock and roll blues. I was moaning and groaning uh, about the hardships of life. And this year has been a horrible year. Being an older person is a different experience. You're an older person? Jesus Christ, what happened? Where, where, where did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth is, my friends who died during COVID, and we can't even convene together and cry and moan and hug, and those connections are missing, and that's, that's a triple woe is me. Like, that's so sad. And then, so there's a truth in, sorry, I missed your funeral. It's, it's bad enough. And then I can't even, as a Jewish person, shovel dirt on your grave, you know? Like, how do we get closure on all of this? It was, so I gave myself permission to truly wail and, and maybe get some commiseration and understanding from even people I don't know. Like, I'm putting it out in the world, and it's true. So I'm not apologizing for that. Well, um, Will, you did. and uh, But let me jump to a question. So uh, tell me, how good of a therapist were you when you were therapying? I will say that I am, even though I'm not a practicing therapist anymore, I carry what I would call the healer's mentality. I've carried it a long time in my life. Healing and therapy are two different things. Like therapy is a set of procedures that you go through with people. But healing is that place where the energetic of, of loving and caring creates a circle, where there's no difference between you and me. Like we are, we are together and I'm for you and I'm with you and you're for me and you're with me. And, um, and that's what I crave in life. So I was blessed with intense musical gifts. And 
Music therapists are very, very poorly understood and, and our work is really not well acknowledged in the world, but it's very potent work. I think we've all had that moment where we're driving down the road and one of those songs that has intense memories comes up for us and we feel deeply. You're absolutely right. And that's the essence of music therapy. And I think what made me a great therapist is I'm courageous. I think that we should have, every car should have a set of drums just above the steering wheel so that you don't necessarily have to play air drums. You can actually... You can actually play drums in the car and feed it into your into your audio system. I think that would be great. I love it. I love that idea. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, what can I it say? It wouldn't even be dangerous. It would probably improve people's driving. Oh, I think so. I, I really do think so. I mean, we, you know, why, why not? Let's do that. You Let's know, see. rhythm is organizing and energizing to the central music, uh, the central nervous system. I agree. Organizing and energizing to the central nervous system. And I think that your experience as a therapist has done you incredibly well so far as how you've blended it with your music. That being the case, I urge you in the future to get your ass in gear and start therapeuting yourself. I'll be damned to allow you to resign, surrender, accept, or any other such thing to a view of your life as pathetic. I don't accept your resignation. Sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't even know I had resigned, so uh, it's okay with me that you that you don't accept it. But I I still identified collectively with this idea that we are in a pathetic situation. Pathos is part of the human condition. I think that. Uh, I think you're right. You know, this is pathetic, and I'm not. You know, as a spiritual warrior, it's not in my best interest to run judgment against life. It's like, but. I and, and I think we have a right to mourn. It is the bluesiest of blues. You know, howling wolf kind of. Maybe I'm just feeling sorry for myself, so. You sang about missing a funeral. Well, the older I get, the more I tend to look long past mine and wonder what, if anything, would be my lasting legacy. I'm going to talk about the most offensive thing imaginable. In polite conversation, it's totally unpalatable, not a four-letter word, yet its effect is indescribable. And though we all do it, it remains unfathomable. Yet, I'm at an age when I think about it without even trying. Five letters that define our lives, and I'm not lying. A subject most everybody concedes is horrifying. So natural a thing, why don't we talk about dying? Despite tearful odes to the dearly departed, the funeral is when forgetting gets seriously started. For the first two weeks after my last drive, they'll remember me vital and alive. Every detail cherished my image will thrive, and though I guess the loss is palpable, maybe even a vacancy incalculable, my survivors must contrive to strive, move forward, and survive, and so they soon begin to set aside small pieces of me to whom they were tied. Instead of me crossing their thoughts every day, they're reminded of me only weekly, and that's okay, because there's so much of life that gets in the way uh, of remembering me amid life's busy buffet. In a month, I'll be lucky if they think of me at all. 
my life will leave hardly a mark on their wall, and though my kids will likely cry and bawl, the grandkids I know would rather toss a ball. When you've crossed off 60, 70, 80, or 90 years of life, filled it with decades of joy, struggle, and strife, traveled the world, been a husband or a wife, raised a kid or two, maybe three or more, you kind of hope they'll remember your score. But a year after you're gone, you'll really be gone. Just an, oh yeah, I remember him, they might say. He was a crazy old dude, but he had a way. Your life now only a bit of meaningless blather. Hardly a eulogy, cause you no longer matter. We've all wanted a monument, a concrete memory, that would hang around for maybe a century. Oh, kids and grandkids, our hereditary spawn, are what everybody says will carry us on. But DNA is always Russian roulette. You never really know what you'll get. So I want a big statue, a roost for a flock of pigeons. Forget about heaven or hell, the nonsense of religions, or go fund me a library. I always thought that'd be cool where you can read my drivel, confirm I was a fool, like ex-presidents who stash all their papers and memos, cataloged trash honoring their egos, or name a ship after me, the SS David Namoro, a garbage scow will do, or a barge that needs a tow. I wouldn't mind a David Namoro Boulevard that wound its way to the local junkyard or a fine Italian dish, pasta namaroni, that comes with a side of the finest pepperoni. But since none of that will happen, sorry to say, I'm resorting to this silly little word play, a pathetic repartee, a light-hearted eulogy, avoiding all the usual pomposity to thank you all for putting up with me so when it's my end and time to set me free, to some sticky-floored bar is where you'll roll. Bring my ashes to a historic music hall, one of the many gritty venues of rock and roll. They'll welcome my cremains in their toilet bowl, because a quick flush is the final goal, a cheap and easy end to all the years of fun, the gurgle of water, the last beat on my drum. So this has been a joyful little podcast. We started with the definitions of grief. Uh, We had a musical apology for not attending a funeral and uh, ended with a bit of poetic profundity about dying. Not bad. I love it when we have that kind of fun. I do too, because it's all part of our memories in the key of life where we reflect, dissect, inspect, And give respect to all the moments of joy, frustration, humor, and even the process of grieving. And we do it with a bit of music, and if you're lucky, a choice chunk of poetry, a very short story or an abbreviated pontification, and a huge chunk of gratitude to avid fans like Melanie Tash in Du Bois, Pennsylvania. Jeremy DiNarcio in Lancaster, and Shakia Rodriguez in Wilmington. And if you like what you hear, drop us a line at Memories in the Key of Life, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. 
And if you don't, well, so be it. All that matters is that we love what we're doing, how we're doing it, and we're having fun. So if you are too, visit again, and don't forget, your memories are in the key of life. Yabba dabba doo. I'm so mischievous.